Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I wanted to talk to you today about facing temptation. And before I get into the body of the sermon, I want to give you a couple definitions that I think we need to realize. Uh, temptation is when Satan asks us if we'll do something that is contrary to God's will. And that is not sin. Sin comes when uh, I say I will do it. It's kind of like temptation. Satan says, will you? And the sin comes when I said, I will. Now, sin, I, my definition of sin is a known transgression against the known will of God. When I knowingly do something that I know God doesn't want me to do, then I have sinned. So, we, with that in mind, let's talk about facing temptation. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, we see where Jesus is being assaulted by Satan, and the temptations are very great. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up on and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and all their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. In Luke we find Jesus in the desert. He was sent there by the Holy Spirit. Just as Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting on Mount Sinai when he received the law of the old covenant from God, so at the, at the inauguration of the new covenant, Jesus is spending 40 days and nights fasting in the desert. Soon along comes old Satan. Wouldn't you know it? The devil's work is to keep us from God any way he can so he can destroy us. We know in the beginning the devil succeeded in attacking Adam and Eve and erecting the barrier between them and God. And the barrier of our disobedience has separated us from God ever since. Luke 4 shows how Satan tried to attack Jesus at the start of his ministry by tempting him to abandon God in three different ways. He tempted Jesus with desire. He tempted Jesus by deception. And he tempted Jesus to doubt. Hang on, I'm about to preach a 3D sermon. The devil's tactics never change. He's still hard at work trying to keep us from God. So we need to see how and learn how Jesus handled the devil's temptation. The first D is desire. First, the devil attacked Jesus by appealing to his desires. Luke 4, 2 says... Has, uh, has what must be the greatest understatement in the Bible. 
Jesus ate nothing for 40 days, and at the end of those days, he was hungry. Matthew makes it clear this was no part-time Ramadan-style fast where, like the Muslims do, they fast uh, all day and then they eat all night long. This was not that. He says, after fasting 40 days and Jesus ate nothing, and 40 nights he was hungry. Of course he was hungry. He was starving. He was famished. He was ravenous. So Satan to sh uh, shows up to attack Jesus at this point of weakness. He says, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He knew he was the Son of God. Jesus has been forever. Jesus created everything, and Satan knew exactly who he was talking to. The devil tempted Jesus with desire for food, just like he tempted Eve with the desire for the fruit in the Garden of Eden. His tactics never change. We ought to learn that by now. We might ask, would it really have been so bad for Jesus to make the bread out of the rock? After all, in just a few days, Jesus will turn water into wine at the wedding of Cana, and he'll later turn five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. So what harm would it have done to turn one stone into a loaf of bread? Well, to understand, we need to look at Jesus' reply. It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, <clears throat> 2 and 3, the whole command says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way of the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Jesus submitted to his Father's discipline, not for 40 days, not for 40 years, but always, for all eternity. If Jesus had given in to the devil and made the stone into bread, he would have abandoned God, just as the Israelites repeatedly abandoned God during their time in the desert. In our own search for holiness, we'll be submitting ourselves to various disciplines as God leads, and inevitably the devil will attack us as we do so. I'm sure we've all experienced this kind of attack. Maybe it's a TV show or, or surfing the internet, but it keeps us from the Bible. It keeps us from prayer. There's nothing wrong with these things by themselves, but when they come before our time with God, we need to check priorities. These things may seem like a small matter, but the devil knows our weaknesses and knows that as he erodes our holiness, so he erodes our relationship with God. If we want to learn a true hunger for God like, like Jesus, we need to submit ourselves to God's discipline and be on the lookout for the devil tempting us with desire. In his book, A Hunger for God, John Piper wrote, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. The deadliest appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. 
Well, the devil attacked Jesus at this weak point with desire for food to satisfy his hunger. But Jesus was only satisfied with God's word itself. Where are you? Where are your weak points? And what are you hungry for? A cartoon in the New Yorker magazine showed some pigs feeding at a trough. Uh, as the farmer filled the trough with food, one hog asked the others, Have you ever wondered why he's so good to us? You know, when Satan tempts people, he's like the farmer fattening up the pigs for the slaughter. Temptation always looks appealing at first, but it always drags its victims into misery, bondage, and heartbreak. Then the second D is deception. The devil's second attack was to try to snare Jesus by deception. We read in Luke chapter 4, 5 through 7, And the devil took him up and showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all the authority and all their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. The devil led Jesus up that high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And uh, he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. It really wasn't given to him. He stole it from Adam. Adam had dominion over the earth. And when Adam and Eve sinned, then they lost the dominion to Satan. But Satan says, I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be all yours. Well, what a temptation this must have been to avoid the cross. Jesus knew that what, what he had to do to become the Savior of the world. And this would have been a shortcut, an easy way out. You know, the gain without the pain. The attack is again at this point of vulnerability. Jesus already knew what lie ahead, the rejection, the persecution, the loneliness, the humiliation, the agony, the desolation of being cut off from his father on the cross. Of course he knew that after all that he would again sit as the Lord at the right hand of God. But it must have been an incredible temptation to take the shortcut to kingship. You know, we like to avoid pain and suffering. And this is exactly what Satan was doing to Jesus. You can avoid that if you'll bow to me. But Jesus knew that there was no shortcut. The kingdoms of the world belong to one Lord and only one. The devil only has them on loan. All the devil had to offer is a counterfeit kingship. This is a deception. Just as the devil deceived Eve in the garden by offering the chance to become like God, the devil only the devil only has counterfeit goods to offer you. His tactics never change. We really ought to have learned that by now. Satan makes temptation look irresistible, but there is never lasting satisfaction when we sin. Don't fall into his trap. Well, you know, there might be immediate uh, satisfaction but in the long run you don't want to have all that guilt and the punishment of sin waiting for you at the end. One of the largest freshwater turtles is the alligator snapping turtle found primarily in the southwestern United States excuse me southeastern United States. These massive turtles often weigh close to 250 pounds. They're carnivorous and while they diet their diet is primarily fish. 
They've been known to eat almost anything else they can find in the water, even in a few cases, small alligators. The alligator snapping turtle relies on a uniquely deceitful method of foraging for fish. The turtle will lie completely still on the floor of the lake or river with its mouth wide open. On the end of the turtle's tongue is a small pink worm-shaped appendage. The turtle wiggles the end of its tongue so it looks like a worm moving through the water. When the fish comes to eat the worm, the turtle's jaws rapidly close, trapping the fish so that it cannot escape. Similarly to the snapping turtle's lure, temptation comes to the guise of something desirable, but it always carries destruction with it in the end. When you're tempted, it's going to be always be something you want. You're not going to be tempted for something that you don't want. And so it's going to be something he tries to entice you with. It's kind of like if you were trying to tempt me and offered me a hunk of cauliflower or a chocolate bar, my natural inclination is to take the chocolate. You know, temptation, and not that the chocolate bar is a temptation for me, but temptation is to to have something waved before you that you think you want. If we could see the end result rather than the tempting part, it would be far easier to resist. But Satan knows this, so he cleverly disguises what is deadly in the guise of some, something pleasurable. Remember, there's only one path to glory, and Jesus knew it. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, whatever the cost. People are always looking for a shortcut, for the end without the means, for the gain without the pain. Lose, uh, you see all these ads on the internet, lose 47 pounds in just 12 days with no change in diet, no strenuous exercise. <laughs> How ridiculous. I get a lot of very annoying junk mail, but occasionally amusing things like this one. Diplomas from prestigious non-accredited university says no required tests, classes, books, or interviews, bachelor's, master's, MBA, and doctorate diplomas available in the field of your choice. No one is turned down, confidentially assured. Or, or listen to this one. Become legally ordained minister within 48 hours, only $29.95. I see that and I think, why did I spend all those years of money going to college and seminary when it could have been done so quickly, so easily, and so cheaply. Obviously, these are worthless counterfeit goods being offered. There's no shortcut. Remember this, when you are under stress and strain, when life is hard, the only way forward is to trust God and serve Him, although the devil will offer you easy ways out. It might be tempting to tell that lie. It might be tempting to abandon that relationship. It might be tempting to commit that fraud. But these are all ways of denying God. Remember, the devil has only counterfeit goods to offer you. I heard about a Christian businessman in Indonesia who sometimes gets into impossible situations because he refuses to bribe anyone, just like everyone else does. God has always honored his integrity and despite these difficulties, his business prospers. Recognize the devil's deceptions for what they are, and so you never end up denying God. The third D in our three Ds is doubt. Jesus' third temptation was to doubt. 
Notice the snide way the devil addresses Jesus in the first and third temptations. He said, if you are the Son of God, well, he knew he was. But just a few weeks earlier, God's voice had thundered from heaven, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. But now the devil is seeking to plant the seeds of doubt in Jesus' mind. Did God really say you were his Son? What does that mean anyhow? How about a little test just to make sure? Just throw yourself from this tower. God promised he'll protect you. Don't you believe it? This is what he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? His tactics never change. He, we really ought to have learned that by now. It's interesting how the devil is capable of using truth to attack us as well as lies. He quotes quotes the Bible, and he quoted the Bible to Jesus. It may be an out-of-context twisted truth, but we must be on our guard. Many Christians, churches, or denominations have been damaged by a truth wrongly understood and wrongly applied. However, Jesus knew the scriptures, and he didn't have to prove anything to the devil. He again answers from scripture, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knew and trusted God's word, so he didn't need to constantly test God's faithfulness. Imagine how destructive it would be to a marriage if one partner was always saying to the other, Do you love me? Go on, prove it to me. Show me you love me. That does not build a very strong relationship. It's the same with us and God. The devil tries to keep us from God by making us doubt God's goodness and, and his love for us. The way to be sure of God's love is for you is to rely on what he said in the Bible. He has given us ample reassurance that there is no need to doubt. Yet the devil will constantly provoke us to question and doubt God's love and try to get us to test it in arbitrary and irresponsible ways. This can only poison our relationship with God. So Satan tries to keep us from God in three ways by appealing to our desires which dull our desire for God, by deceiving us into accepting a counterfeit substitute for spirituality, and by casting doubts into our minds about God's goodness and poisoning our relationship with God. Jesus' protection against Satan's attack was the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. All three of his responses to the devil are from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 8. Here we see Ephesians in action. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And you know, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Jesus could resist Satan because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he knew his Bible. But the passage ends with some chilling words says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time, which means that Satan's still looking for opportunities. He's still going to come back and try to tempt Jesus, and he still looks for opportunities to cause us to fall. Jesus again faced almost overwhelming temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane when he wrestled with the prospect of going to the cross. 
Remember, Jesus was human too. He did not want to go to the cross. He did not want to suffer that agony. He did not want to hang between heaven and earth and have God look at him and see that he became the very essence of sin so much that God had to turn his back away from him. And, and, and uh, Jesus, that's when he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Being filled with the Spirit and the Word and with the discipline of resisting temptation deeply ingrained into him, Jesus was able to go to that cross, thereby defeating the devil once and for all. If we are Christians, we have nothing to fear from the devil. He can't make you do anything. Old Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. But you are a free moral agent. You can choose if you're going to yield to a temptation and go the way Satan wants you to, or if you're going to honor God and remain faithful. You have that choice. As long as you're surrendered and obedient to God and are active in prayer and have hidden God's Word, the Bible, in your heart by diligent daily reading, then you can be confident of the devil's defeat. You can do what James suggests. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for the fact that Satan cannot overwhelm us. Satan cannot talk us into doing anything contrary to what we want to do. We can have victory as we look towards you, as we stand on the strength that you've given to us, as we put on the full armor of God. Help each one of us, Lord, to take a stand for you, to be faithful in our service and our love. In fact, I pray you'll increase our love. And Lord, any today that don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that you'll help them to realize this is the time where they need to accept you. Rough days are coming. We need to stand with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ will stand with us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can contact me still through my email lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com or you can look at my website which is the lowercase church of the galilean.com just one complete word and when you get there look for there's still power in the blood or look for my name you'll find it or you can contact me direct by telephone or whatever but god bless you and i'm hoping you have a real good day today